0: Live from Texas, it's Divi Chat. That's opening for another show, but hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Divi Chat. Each week, some of the brightest Divi minds from all around the world get together to share their knowledge and ex- expertise of running businesses and developing websites with WordPress and Divi. Tonight, you'll be listening to episode 45, where we'll be discussing user experience, more than just design and development. Let's get chatting, but before we do, let's meet this awesome host of panel, Corey.
1: Unmute. Hey, Corey. Unmute. hey how's it going, guys? Good to see you. <laughs> Corey Jenkins, uh, divi.space, Uh I'm a WordPress developer, uh, enthusiast, love the WordPress community and the Divi community. And uh, you can find us uh, in other areas on the interwebs, uh, social media, just by, you know, search, searching us out. Google us. Can
0: you Thanks, see me? Corey. Yeah, glad you're
2: here. <laughs> oh my Hey, Gino. Hey, hey, everyone. Hey, David and everybody out there listening. Uh, Gino Kidos, uh, if you want to check out what I'm doing, uh, head on over to Kidos.co and check out some of my Divi tutorials. Awesome. Glad you're here, Gino. Thanks. And Sarah
3: hi everyone I'm Sarah Oates from Endure Web Studios I promise I don't always sound like this um, I have a little bit of a cold at the moment um, you can find me at Endure.com.au or Endure Web on Facebook and Instagram
0: Fantastic. and Twitter but
3: I'm not there so don't go we,
0: there we hope you feel better because we're sure glad you're here
3: thanks
4: Hey everybody, Tim Strifler here, and you can find me online at timstreifler.com
0: and divilife.com. Boom, and my name is David Blackman with Aspen Grow Studios and divi.space, and Chat is all of our website, but in case you wonder, I've got the URL in my little bar, that way you can go over and check out that amazingly designed website by Leslie Bernal, who's not here tonight. Uh, I want to start the show off before we dive into the topic, and I want to thank everybody over the last couple of weeks who have participated and helped with the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund. Uh, We have almost hit our goal of 25,000. Last I looked, we were approaching 23,000. It ends tomorrow, a little less than 12 or so hours left. So if you want to take advantage of an amazing wordpress bundle and help some people in need out um, head on over to divi.chat in the menu you'll see a hh relief fund link it'll take you to the page where you can get all of the information that you want to know and make a donation if you want to so um, thank you so very much for for helping out all who have it's been it's been a wonderful experience to see the wordpress community kind of come alive and stuff and and help so Today we're going to talk about user experience and you know it's, it's more than just design, more than just development. We're going to talk about user experience on the user side. We're going to talk about user experience on the client side as a web developer because we're all web developers. And I think I want to start off and just have Gino chat a little bit about what UX is. Gino?
2: Okay, great. Uh, so for those who don't know what U- UX is, user experience, it's uh, the, taking into consideration the user of your website and the experience that they have when going through your website. Uh, some of that could be accessibility. How easy is it for them to navigate through your website? Um, do they walk away feeling informed? Do they walk away feeling like they have uh, were able to get the information they were looking for? Um, were they able to r- realize who you are, what you do, what you provide um, very easily and conveniently? Um, and, and that's basically what user experience is. There's a lot more technical stuff, but that's basically it, is how the user walks away from the site. Was it a good experience or bad experience? And it's very important uh, to consider that when you're building your websites.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In this day and age, user experience is very important because there are billions of websites out there and and competition is getting stiffer and stiffer and stiffer as, as you go along. So you've got, I think, what do we have, 20 seconds to catch somebody's attention, to grab them, to have your message get to them and them to easily, you know, see what it is that you're doing and stuff and if they don't if they're not able to connect with your site and it's not appealing and it doesn't hit on several different levels they're off to another um, website so um <laughs> i'm gonna uh...
4: one thing i wanted to add that was uh, amazing definition gino um, and I, I like what you said, because you didn't zero in on one thing, You're talking about the entire experience from content, from design to the the function of the page, the development. Um, and then also one thing I'd like to add on top of that is is mobile, um, with mobile becoming such a, a huge um, source of traffic, uh, you need to make sure that the mobile experience is just as great as the, the desktop experience. Um, and when I think about user experience, kind of what I think of is the the evolution of like what web pages used to be when the internet was brand new. I think you can still Google like the first web page ever, and it's like a paragraph text, just very basic, black and white, no CSS, just looks like almost like a word document, um, barely any formatting. And then if you look at websites now, they've come so far, not just in design but in functionality with some. Really great web 2.0 uh, design tools, things like tabs and accordions, and uh, with the introduction of, of JavaScript and web pages, now I think that really just took the user experience um, up a hundred notches. And so, um, and then with Divi, we have all of those tools in our back pocket. We don't have to be coders to be able to have those really great design, uh, those functional design elements to make the user experience really great.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing because when you think about user experience, it's like you actually have to work out who are your users. So like in this conversation, it's such a broad conversation. So I think in some ways we'll probably end up leading towards who our end users are. But generally for any website, they have to work out, so who is actually coming to the website? Like is it old ladies? Is it like young kids? Is it people our age? Is it like... Is it mostly females? Is it mostly males? Like what way do they think? So it's like it's such a broad topic of trying to work out um, what is going to be intuitive to that person. And part of the problem is often we design websites based on what we would find intuitive. Like when I go to a website, I find certain things intuitive, but what if the website isn't for my demographic? What if it's not for females who are in their middles? then what are, you, what are you going to do? Like, um, but what if it is for people who are slightly older or for males? Like, I'm not a male. I don't think like a male. And um, I think often where we go wrong is we... It's like when we give someone a gift. We give them a gift that we would like and we're surprised that they don't like it. Um, sometimes I think we can make a website and think it's like amazing and really intuitive and then no one knows how to use it because they're not us.
4: Yeah, as web developers, we're all for the most part, very tech savvy. And so like for me, I can scan a web page. I can, you know, figure out exactly, you know, how the information's organized, but I stare at websites all day long. And I think through how they should be designed, but that's a great point, Sarah. Most users aren't that technical. And so if you're building for yourself, then it might be great for you and your web design and web development friends, but for the average user, it might not be very easy to use at all.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up some good points. One of them is, one thing that we do for every client is, you know, we find out if they have a persona or an avatar, uh, their ideal customer that's coming. I I think, as I've learned in our, our web design careers, you know, as we've gone along, because initially it was about, oh, let's make a cool site and make it look good. And we think it looks good, but it doesn't really serve the purpose of the end client. So, it's very important to, A, your website needs to have a goal. You need to understand your audience and who you're trying to reach so that you can build that platform that's going to hit on all those points to ultimately make them convert. So whether it's a a hobby website and you're just wanting to get information out there and you like writing, you know, makes people read, Read your website. Want to stay and read your content more? If it's conversion for sales, same thing. Click the button, buy the product. So, very important thing you brought up, Sarah, is um, is understanding your audience and and designing to that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think um, okay. something that a lot of people confuse is UI and, and UX. Uh, UI is user interface. It's all the pretty aspects of your site. You know, buttons and. Uh, a, a lot of people confuse it. You, you can have a site with excellent UX with terrible UI. Uh, not, I'm not going to say terrible, but, I mean, you could have a site with the buttons being black, you know, the black background, white text, and, and the thing that you need to focus on is, is the user journey from start to finish. So if it's an e-commerce site, they go to your site. They can easily find exactly what they're looking for. Their path to purchase is super easy, and then it, it even extends into the uh, after purchase, uh, you know, maybe an email explaining how to, um, you know, install the product or, or what the next uh, steps are. So um, it's it's something that that's often confused, but you don't you don't have to have a beautiful website to have great UX. So just clear that up.
3: Yeah, That's I agree with that. And I think um, one thing that people often do is they really clutter up websites. Like a lot of the websites that I come, they want to give everyone all the options. Like they want to give them a big sidebar with like 500 things down the sidebar and like all these big like shouting like lines. And But really what it comes down to is you want someone to come to the website, feel in control, feel like they know what they're doing, like feel like they are... Um, are smart. If you can make your your customer or client come to the website and feel like they know how to use this website, it's really obvious how to use it because what you do is you scroll, and then there's a button, and you, it asks you a question, and you think, "Do I want to click the button? Yes, I do want to click that button. I do want to know more about that." Um, but when people have five hundred things all over the place, I go to a website and I feel like I'm not quite sure which direction I'm supposed to go. Am I meant to go in this direction or that direction or am I meant to click on whatever? Um, And sometimes I think we can make our customers feel stupid because we're giving them too many options all at once. Um, When we were at um, WordCamp last year, um, I went to a design session with Mich- Michelle Schloop, I think it is. <laughs> Sorry if I've mispronounced that. Um, but she was talking about how each page should have one objective. Like, if you need more than one objective on a page, you need more than one page. So, you don't have to just have one home page. Like, if you need to have um, two different types of customers, then have two different types of home pages that you've SEO'd so that those clients will go to that home page versus this home page. You want to give them one thing that they're supposed to be looking at. You're giving them information on one thing and then you're giving them one action. And what's that action? Do you want them to go to another page? Do you want them to go buy a product? Do you want them to call you? Do you want them to fill out your form? Do you want them to sign up to your newsletter? Give them one thing to do and then they feel really smart because they've successfully followed the thing without feeling like they got confused along the journey. Uh, that was a good lesson for me.
2: Yeah, that is. That I'm is. One. Sorry, okay. go, ahead. No, go You ahead.
4: go. You go. Okay. So I was uh, something Corey brought up about distinguishing UI from UX. And I think that's something that I see a lot of newer designers in the, the Divi community uh, start to do is they have all these tools in their back pocket from Divi things that they used to not be able to build on their own. And so they, as Sarah was saying, clutter up the page. And so, you know, they they try to have everything look pretty and then it, compromises the, the user experience. And um, I think that kind of comes down to just where we are in, in the internet these days. It used to be, like, back in the day, if you see, like, really cool animations and stuff, like, that would really impress the average web visitor. Like, oh, wow, like, this is a cool site They have, you know, this effect. But no one's impressed by that anymore. It's 2017, the internet has evolved quite a bit, and so now you're seeing the focus going back more towards that user experience with the content first, Um, the calls to action, uh, the user flow, you know, having a single purpose on the page and so forth. And so, you know, it's it's funny because you see a lot of like layout packs and like tutorials and stuff, how to do like really cool like hover effects. And it might look cool. And it's something that we think is awesome as like designers and developers and stuff. But it, you know, the average user isn't going to be like, wow, I'm going to buy this product because they have really cool hover effects over their blurbs or whatever. And so you just kind of have to think, like, what is the, as Sarah was saying, what is the purpose of this page and of the site? And, and I'm not saying don't use hover effects because, um, you know, they're great. But um, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. It's kind of the... So, the, so you're
3: saying I that
0: GeoCities the- Geo isn't making a comeback,
3: Tim? I don't think so.
0: <laughs> not
4: anytime soon.
3: I think a classic example of that is the amount of clients that come and say that they want to have a slider, like a homepage slider, and that was really in for a while, right? But the research showed that most people only saw like one to two of those slides, so they never actually got any benefit out of it. The downside for user experience is it makes the page load slower. So the user experience versus the UI in that case is the fact that the page is loading really slow, they're feeling frustrated and they're waiting for this page to load, you think you've got this fancy site because you've got these sliders, but for them, they just see a a page that loads slowly, and then they just go past that section anyway. So for user experience, it is a completely pointless thing that a client is asking for.
4: Yeah, one quick thing to add to that, Sarah. They get, uh, the studies show too, they get like decision uh, paralysis where like before they can really like soak in what that first slide is, it moves and then they get overwhelmed. They don't know you know, where that flow is, that customer journey. And so oh,
3: but they're so cool. And I really want one, Tim, please.
0: <laughs> yep. Corey, we, we just launched our redesign. And what I'm hearing them say is we've got to get rid of the sliders on our dang page.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Oh, no, I know you look at your website. <laughs> there's all,
1: there's all kinds of, uh, conversion arguments about that. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's that user like like too many too many options, and it's kind of like sensory overload. Uh, I, I, think, I think something that's become somewhat popular in UX, and, and it started off more in, in software. Um, but you know how like in software you have like the installation wizards, and it guides you through steps. You're you're starting to see something similar to that now on certain websites, um, and, and mainly SaaS, like software as a service sites where uh, they call it like a joyride and instead of like being able to navigate all over the website you're presented with okay you got three options here what, what are you looking for today option one take, take to a different page here you only have a couple of options you don't have all these different navigation links it's a very clear focused uh, path to purchase with with either the, you know the software or the product that, that people are presenting and it, it really helps narrow down that, that customer focus um, it's not right for, for every company, obviously, um, you know, I, I'd say, I'd say a majority of companies it's not right for, but for software, um, maybe a few other select companies, it's, it's great for UX and just kind of keeping that, keeping the, uh, the user focus really narrowed
2: down. I would add to that, you know, on both of those things, like exactly like, um, those, last two topics both sarah what you said about the slider and corey what you're saying about narrowing it down um and the the paralysis i think uh the thing that i see the most um is distraction Uh, when i'm going down a a divi website there's too much distraction i believe every section should clearly have one point one purpose it it might be three blurbs but there's you're not distracted by Loud background images, or too much content, or too many different options in one section. I, I believe that uh, every every website should you should be directing the people where you want them to go um, as you're going down the page. You want to you want to kind of give them a taste of what's in the website with links to get there easily, but you also want to direct where they're going to go next. And you want to help tell the story. Um, so, like for example. One of the big things is background images with text. Um, people need to understand that a background image is just that—it's the background. It shouldn't—you um, shouldn't have to see the whole background image. You know, the edges should be cropped off. It should be dark. It shouldn't be bright, and you shouldn't have white text over a very bright background image. Um, a background image should fade into the background and not distract from your call to action and header for that section. Um, and so every section. You know, I, I or I'll see sites that, like you're talking about with all the different animations. Uh, animations aren't the feature of the website. They are the subtle uh, sort of user experiences that help somebody highlight what you're looking at or something like that. But I think people can get carried away with sections flipping over and tumbling off the page and, <laughs> and some of these things that we're seeing after the last Divi update, um, Don't use all the animations that are available on a page um, or don't use all the design options. Pick a few and just stick to a few per per website project. That's so cool. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the principle (laughs) lasts. Don't forget about page load either when you're using
1: all those features. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Say that one more time, Tim. It's important that comment that you put out there
4: yeah I, with the animations to Gino's point, I think the principle that you should keep in mind is less is more um, just because you can animate every section row and module doesn't mean you should
2: absolutely in fact i, I would I would take it in this far is what's great about it is you might only use a couple of animation features on a web project. Just because they're all there, but you have the option to use something different on your next web project and then something different on your next web project and try to squeeze them all into one. Think of it that way. You know, just pick one or two that you're going to use throughout the site. Might be a hover kind of background change or a slight like wobble or something like that. But uh, I would say just you know stick to a few different animations consistently throughout your each website project.
3: Yeah, and also thinking about what the animation's actually achieving. So Um, like there's uh, a common one that I use, like I, my sites are pretty simple and I very much stick to the standard that I think a clean, simple website helps your clients actually use the website better. So that's very much the way I go. So I don't use a lot of big animations, but one of the animations I use a lot is when you hover over it, it gets like a really subtle shadow. Um, and it's, it's quite a subtle little, um, animation, but the idea is it helps the user understand that they can do something from here. So I think if you're going to use an animation, you want to use it in a way that it either highlights something or it helps them understand they can click on this thing. Like it helps them understand that this is more than just a visual element, that you can do something with this particular element. So just thinking about your animations, don't have an animation just for the sake of it. Like pick your animation, whatever you're going to go with, but then have it actually have a meaning. So don't use it where sometimes it means you can click, but sometimes it doesn't. It needs to kind of have consistency so that it, it enhances their experience of um, knowing how to use the website further and it just gives it that little bit of an extra flair rather than just being a flat website.
0: Yeah, I think you, you bring up a couple of good points and I kind of want to expound on that, Sarah. Um, I think definitely if you're going to use a lot of interactions and movements on your site, it has to have a purpose. But it doesn't always have to be... Um, something that gets someone's attention that, oh, you can click on this. Um, Apple does a really, really good job of showcasing their products with animation. So if it's a salesy, if you've got a product that you're selling and you're trying to build excitement for that product, you can design something that does have more moving parts and stuff. And it makes sense to use. And I think it kind of all comes back to our point of, Understanding your audience, knowing what it is that you're doing, because what I've been thinking about since you guys have been talking is one of my favorite things about that sold me on Divi a long time ago. Kenny Singh made these really kick-ass you know themes. 2.4 Cafe was one of them. We recreated it, gave away thousands of them. It had a blog post in there that had espresso coffee making. And this this is before all of the really cool animations that Divi had now. But there is a blog post with um, bread making and then one with coffee where it actually had the, as you scroll down the page, it looked like a, um, you know, a barista at a coffee shop, you know, putting the grounds in and then putting, turning the thing and then the cup would slide in and then the saucer. And it just, it was like. Oh, wow. Okay. The visualization on that was pretty amazing, but it had a very specific point of what that post was trying to achieve. And I think that the message that you have to have, you got to have a purpose for your message. If you're going to use, you know, that type of stuff and it it all comes back to user experience as well.
1: Yeah. I I think something that just kind of kicked in my brain and and we were all at, um, WordCamp Orange County, but but I think this kind of ties in a little bit to UX is, uh, I, I think we all sat in on the uh, web accessibility um, talk, where you know it's it, it's talking about it being accessible to you know people that are colorblind and people with different visual impairments. And so so beyond m- maybe even just having like an icon that's supposed to mean something, um, and I, I'm sure the younger people and millennials are more hip to icons and emojis and things, but maybe you know some of your older users don't understand that using words and, 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 plain instructions in conjunction with, with icons instead of just having icons on your site. Also having a brief explanation maybe underneath of what that icon um, actually means. So I, I, I'm, I'm sure there could be a whole other episode on web accessibility, but for me there's, there there's certain things that go hand in hand with the, with the two of them.
3: Yeah. Those. So the classic with that is like menus where people just have the hamburger menu and there's no other menu at all on the website. Particularly on a desktop, like obviously on a mobile, if you've got a mobile, you know pretty much every website uses that. But if you're on a desktop and you're an older user and all there is is the hamburger menu, then it's not necessarily going to be obvious to someone who doesn't understand what that icon means. Or if you just have like the little, the house and the, like, I don't know, a person and a whatever, then people aren't necessarily going to know unless when you hover over it, it pops up a name or something. That would be a good use of hover.
4: Yeah, and on the flip side of that, I think for uh, like people that aren't a native speaker to that language, the icons can be a great user experience tool. Um, like for example, um, with uh, doing customer support with Divi Life, I'll log on to customer sites that their back end of WordPress is in a different language. And I don't speak any other languages, unfortunately. Um, but thanks to the icons that are in the uh, the admin interface, I could see, okay, this icon here, a little paintbrush, that means appearance. And so I can kind of find my way around and navigate because of that. And so I think with like uh, on a, your, your typical website on the front end, um, you might not know what the menu is in that language. But if you see that hamburger, you know, it's kind of that... Um, you know, web standard that those three lines means menu and, you know, the little icon of like the, the buoy is support, for example. Um, and so yeah, I think with online companies, especially uh, global audiences and, and different languages. Um, yeah, icons can be a great user experience tool.
1: That's okay. why I always just click the Google Translate tool when I'm on the back end of those.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I did eventually learn that because, yeah, and move everything over to Chrome.
0: Yeah, that. but sometimes the weird. translation's
1: weird, so the icons definitely help.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we do We do have a question viewer. Joan would like to – she's asking us, do you guys talk to your customers directly of their feedback about your website? Your website. Do you do any of you guys do that? I know I don't do it, and I talk to most of our customers. Um, but do you guys I, do that? I wouldn't
3: have done that, but the one thing that I have done is used, um, I, I'm nervous to say the name is it called Heat Map, Heat Map, Heat something? There's a crazy, yeah. Egg. yeah, okay. So there's a website that you can log your website into, and it'll take like video recordings of people using your website, so you don't know who they are or you don't know their demographic or whatever, but you can actually see what their uh, their is doing. So you can see, like, are they just clicking around all over the place or are they obviously looking like they're searching for something or are they just scrolling? Are they spending a long time on one particular bit? So that can be really useful. Um, but that's the only direct user feedback I have done and I'm ashamed to say that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I I think the tool you're talking about is Crazy Egg. There's probably a couple of them, but I know Crazy Egg, they were the first to do like the heat maps, the visual analytics. And then I think there's also a feature of it where you can actually see it will record different sessions. And so you can watch someone's mouse and, and watch it's kind of creepy, but you can see them using your site. And so that can give you some insight into like, Oh, a lot of people are really getting stopped at this, you know, one section that's supposed to be a call to action, but you know, they're scrolling past it or whatever. Um, so that can be a great tool. Yeah.
1: I, I think, I think from our perspective on our sites, selling products where I, I deal with it firsthand and getting customer feedback on UX is if somebody, uh, gets confused by how to find a product. Um, how to, how to purchase the product. That's all, that's all part of the overall UX experience. So sometimes you know we will get some feedback from a customer how do I do this? I've been staring at the site for you know a year. It makes sense to me, but sometimes somebody will say something in a way and you look at it from their perspective and you go, ah, you're right. and, and you can make little tweaks and, and sometimes UX can you know um, can, can even be a, a few words. So, so maybe you can change how, how something is worded. And that completely changes the user experience because now they're understanding it in, in a different way. So I, I, I think in that matter that's that's how we usually get UX feedback is via like our support forum.
4: Uh, on that topic, uh, that reminded me, you can also look in your Google Analytics and see what people are typing into your website search field, if you have the search functionality turned on, and that'll give you some insight into what people are are searching for. And so if you see a lot of people searching for, you know, one product or one thing, you know, maybe you can highlight it. Uh, if everyone's looking for like support and you can, you know, add an extra link in the footer or whatever.
1: And I think That's there's a, plugins wow, that, that'll do it, that as well. Yeah, well, wow, I, I didn't know that. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learned so much myself just listening to Divi chat. So I know we, we spark
4: <laughs> ideas in each other. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, that reminds me. <laughs> yeah, so
2: that's uh, a, a good point. Uh, we don't. We typically every now and then, just like you guys do, Corey, um, we'll get some feedback. Um, then we'll kind of go and relook at it, revisit it, and, and improve it that way. But one of the things I'm always doing um, is I try to go back through my sites and, and go. You know, is it easy to find the the everything, uh, and it, does everything have a good flow? I'm constantly this is probably bad, but I'm constantly changing around my main menu on Monterey Premier, uh, and it probably throws people off because they can't find things that used to be there. But I'm constantly looking at um, does it make sense to have this item in this sub menu? Does it make sense to have testimonials and um, uh, uh client logos on the same page or a different page? Um do I have client testimonials and developer testimonials and product testimonials on the same page or separate page? Um you know so I'm constantly looking at as I go down the page it, when I get to the bottom, do am I telling them where to go next? Do I know where I want to go next? Or are there just a, a million menu options on the bottom of the page? And so going back after a couple of months with fresh eyes, and looking through everything, and looking through the navigation menu, uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, for us, it's always be improving. So we're never there. It's it's never perfect. Um, always be improving that that experience, that navigation. Um, and are you telling your stories?
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because I, I've actually heard um, UX referred to before in the past in a roundabout way like like merchandising for retail. But the difference is in retail, like you go into a grocery store and you're looking for uh, a loaf of bread or milk, where do they put that? They put that in the back of the store because they want you to walk through the, the store knowing that you can't go without, uh, you know, bread or milk or whatever staple items are, and they want you to walk past all this awesome stuff, so your kid throws a tantrum and you end up buying, like, a Pez dispenser or something. Um, website website. <laughs> website UX and merchandising I, I, I guess um, in a digital sense is you want your most popular stuff to be easily found so it's it's, it's kind of a different world from the old you know from the old uh, brick and mortar mindset of, of user experience from somebody walking into a to a store versus visiting a, a website it's, it's quite a bit different
0: a lot of really good things Absolutely. come Have, we've talked a little bit about um, client side user experience Um, is there anything else that you guys think we can throw in here to pack more power into the punch
2: of UX? Well, I would like to chime in um, on that area of it being more than just design and development, which we've just covered, you know, really the designs and some tips and some do's and don't do's. But I was, uh, I think all of us, again, were at that uh, WordCamp uh, conference last year and I can't remember her name, but she talked about Uh, she went into this concept that user experience is more than just the design and the placement of buttons and the colors and and everything we've just talked about. And that um, this would go as far as, you know, maybe it's a different term. Maybe it's customer experience or client experience. Um, But uh, to me, I believe, and I agree with what she said, and that was basically that the user experience goes beyond just, OK, I've made that call to action. I've clicked on the button. Um, it's What's the response she gets uh, when she sends that contact form, he or she? Um, how fast do they get it? Is it informative? Is it just a template? If it is a template, does it answer the questions and get her where she need, he or she needs to go um, when they submit that first customer support ticket? What's their experience at the end of that uh, customer support ticket? What's their experience when they've made that phone call and, and had their first client uh, uh, project discussion? Do they feel like you've given them everything they need to know? What's their experience when they receive the contract? What's their experience when they're onboarding? So I think there's so much more to user experience than just the design and the look and feel. Um, and so there's, there's so many areas to go in that, in that sense. Yeah, I do remember who you're talking about. I think her
0: name was Michelle. She 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 did a fantastic talk, know. Now that you're saying that, you're right. I mean, that the whole journey from A to Z is very important. And that's going to determine a lot of times, um, you know, referral business that, that people come back. It's not just about experience on the website, which you want them to go to where you want them to go and the journey that you want to take them on and get them to click the button, but ultimately what gets them to shout your praises from the rooftop is the entire experience you know which i think you're talking about and that's very important as well so you bring up some fantastic points there
4: yeah my favorite example of uh sorry go ahead
3: sarah okay you're all good um
4: my favorite example of what gino's talking about is apple i think they do an amazing job of Um, continuing to surprise and delight their customers so like for example you go and you buy a new iPhone or iPad or Mac or whatever um, they have your money you made the purchase but when you get home and you take that box off it's like a very nice clean well-designed box you open it up there's not a million different you know packaging you have to unwrap Um, you know it's just there's the device you click the on button there's no complicated you know setup process uh, it's just it just works, and it's it's simple and clean, and um, you know every step of the way. It's just that, uh, yeah, that surprise and delight type of mentality. And the setups
1: the setups a joyride. It, it is, is
4: a, a, a joyride.
3: Ride. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect example <laughs> of joyride. Episode, this episode of uh, Divi Chat has been sponsored by Apple. So, um, <laughs> please please no, send,
1: I, send us all, all free iPhone tens. Yeah. yeah, I, I would. Have, I,
3: yeah, yes, please. Um, no, I would agree with that because. Um, Even, like, if you buy it in the store, the people there will say, do you have, like, have you backed up your thing? Would you like me to set it up for you right now? Like, they'll even go through the process if you feel uncertain of how to do it. And then I've been into Apple where they've got, like, those sessions where people can come in if they're not sure how to use their products properly and they have these little, like, workshops for free that stuff's really cool, but anyway I'm off the Apple train uh, I went to a business session a little while ago trying to work out how to like run a better business and one of the things they were talking a lot about was the ultimate Uh, client experience which is pretty much this thing and they were saying a lot of the time when you go to business sessions they're talking to you about working out your avatar working out your like who is your ultimate client and you spend all this time like naming them and giving them an age and giving them a gender and thinking about what they'd want and blah 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 but then it stops and the process that we actually need to go through is thinking through okay What would be, from start to finish, the ultimate experience for, say, our um, ideal client would be um, a small business who's been established for five years, whatever. Like, they come to the website, what do they see? What's their experience like? They contact us. Then what do they get back? Okay, then they get a quote, they decide to go with us. What is that experience like of getting a quote, accepting the terms? What are your terms like? Are they really full on and like verbose or whatever? Or can they read them themselves and understand them? Are they in plain language? They then pay the invoice. Then what's the process? Are they in limbo land? Do they just sit there and wait for a while? Or have you given them like a big rundown of like this is, you know, this is what's going to happen in this many weeks I'm going to contact you or you know, this is when you're going to get um, the first view of it. And um, then when you're working on the website, sometimes we can be doing d- development for like a couple of weeks and we don't really need to contact them. But should we contact them? Should we send a quick email and say, hey, things are going really well. I'm really excited. I'll be able to show you a view of it in a week or whatever. OK, so then you build the website and then it's all ready to go. What happens then? Like, do they know how to use the back end? Do you just give them access do you send them to some other tutorial place or do you make personalized videos for them to know how they actually use the back end of their website? Then their website's going and they don't know, like, well, what do we do now? Okay, so the website's kind of going, but, you know, I'm do I have to do anything with it? So then do they know how that works? And then they become a maintenance client. Okay, how did that work? Do they know who to contact, how to contact, when to contact? When can they just do it themselves? Do they have to pay? All of that stuff. So I know that's like a big long rant, but I I have been very challenged and I haven't gone through the whole process yet, but I've been very challenged by the fact that I make it up every time. And every time I would say my client experiences a slightly different version of me and my business. And I think it needs to be consistent and I think it would be more ideal for me to have routine thing I would really like to make up some little documentation that like I kind of send out to them once they've signed on great this is what the process looks like and it's all like looks pretty and or maybe it's on a website whatever but you know like something that kind of helps them understand in clear they can go look at it and it's very clear what's going on I haven't done that yet so (laughs) I'm telling you this because someone told me it and I'm stealing it from them that, that's All probably right. a good
1: other episode like client onboarding and then off, offboarding. Yeah, I actually yeah. love
0: everything that you said. Those are it, it, you don't want to offboard them too well because
1: then you know then they're just completely out of the picture.
2: No, I'm <laughs> yeah. no those are <laughs> those are great points. Ours are our we're constantly refining our process as well. And and, and for example, I had a uh, friend over who's a consultant and he was wanting to understand my business more so that he can uh help his, his clients make right decisions with their website. And he was looking at my proposal and he's all what are all the why do you list all these things you do not do or that are not included um and i said well because it all came down to one client we had uh or potential client and it was a phone call and basically by the time we were done and we pitched everything she's all now are there going to be any surprises um because the last people burned us and every time we asked about something that we thought was included it wasn't and they kept charging more and i said for what for example she's like content or search engine optimization or images or web hosting. Um, And it got me thinking like, well, yeah, we're only putting it together a proposal for the services we're offering, but this client doesn't know that all the options that are out there that we're not including in this package that would take this from a $5,000 project to a $20,000 project. Um, But they don't know that. And so we've learned we have to educate them and, and explain all the things that are out there that are possible potential uh, services they might need, but we're not including that. If you want that, we have to uh, create a separate quote. And so like you have, we have all these things. We could create a separate estimate. We could create a separate estimate. But at the end of the day, I think it helps the clients. I explain to them why we do that and they appreciate that. And uh, so it's just little things like that, that we're constantly looking at how can we improve this? So that they walk away uh, feeling totally relaxed, and they trust us, and they'll leave us alone to work on their project, and and be content and confident that we can do that.
1: Yeah, we, we kind of have the
2: same things, unless
1: we you know going in the client wants uh, hosting or something like that. You know, it says you know hosting not included in this quote, and then we kind of briefly touch on uh, you know content and, and uh, copywriting and things like that. So. That's important.
2: I, I think another thing, too, is, is providing options. Like, uh, it, it's great to have a form for us web designers that people fill out all the details. How many pages? What sites do you like? Do you have your own hosting? Who's providing content? But there's some people, and that's convenient for us. And as, as somebody who's tech savvy, it's more convenient for me as well to fill out a form and get it feedback rather than have to do a phone call. But there are some people who don't want to do that. They don't want to go through all those forms and all those options. They don't even understand what those things are. What is hosting? And so maybe you have another, you 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 have a simplified process for them to be able to call instead of just forcing them to only go this one way. Uh, so I think having options is is for for the different for different different things uh, rather than forcing them to do something that makes it more convenient for us. You know, I, I learned something this morning. I met with a client
0: that I originally spoke with a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, I kind of, when, when you're meeting with a client for the first time in the proposal process and then you physically meet with them over the phone, you're kind of walking through, going through the process and stuff, and we put together a proposal for them. They contacted us back a week ago and said, hey, look, we really we want to move forward Um can we set up a call next week, which ended up being today so we can discuss what that looks like and stuff no problem I spent time with them this morning, and this kind of goes to Gino's point. We had already given them the proposal we had a breakdown of exactly what they were going to get and stuff but at the very end of the phone call they asked me a question they said, does this include everything that um, is it is it broken out can does, does this contain everything that we get and in my mind yeah it was already there you know 15 page website this that but in their mind not tech savvy not web people they needed it to be explained a little bit more which made me come back and think okay well, we need to look at this you know is this some but this was the first customer ever that did this, most people have no problem with our proposals and stuff, but to Gino's point, I just had this happen today, we had a full proposal, we had it outlined, what we're doing, what we're not doing, and they still came back, is there, you know, is this everything we get, is it detailed out enough? So, um, good point, Gino, very good. All right, guys, we're getting close to our time, is there anything that uh well we're gonna continue our tradition of parting thoughts? So why don't y'all think of your parting thoughts? Does anybody want to go first? Gino's laughing and smiling. So
2: because I'm not definitely not ready, but I'll go first. <laughs> um I, I would just say that uh think about the entire <clears throat> process that the user is going to experience. Um, it's great to have a, a menu item that's just a hamburger menu and then it slides in, but is that going to be the best use for your users? So think about who they are, um, and think about, uh, think about how you can totally have a stoked user experience, whether they go with you or not, um, that they leave feeling, okay, impressed, um. I would just leave it at that. Think about how they could leave being impressed, not with your fancy design skills, but with the way you treated them and the way they felt leaving your site or your first contact or whatever. Thank you, Gina. That was a
0: great parting thought. Tim, I'm throwing you under the bus, buddy. You gotta unmute yourself first, though. <laughs> your, part of, your parting thoughts have a lot more effect when
4: you're unmuted. All right, no, that's actually good because that bought me the five seconds of time that I needed. Um, so I'm gonna say this. Uh, I'm gonna, obviously I brought up Apple a few times. I'm a big Apple fanboy and Steve Jobs fanboy. Um, so a, a pretty famous Steve Jobs quote says design is not just what it looks like and feels like design is how it works. And so I think as people that are, are creating websites, uh, whether that's for clients or for your own business, you have to take that into consideration. Uh, it's not just the aesthetics of the page. Um, you know, don't think of your website like a work of art. Think of it, uh, something like something that needs to work, um, something that has function to it. Um, and so I, I think if you kind of have that frame of mind, uh, it'll make everything make more sense. Uh, you know, everything from what's on the webpage to some of the other stuff that happens with the, the client onboarding, you know, that customer journey, you think of uh, designing that customer journey uh, and, and, and thinking through how it works. Um, and so, yeah, that's my final thought.
0: Great final thought, Tim. Corey.
1: Hello. I unmuted my microphone. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, to me, UX isn't isn't cut and dry, and it's kind of like an abstract uh, topic. But um, you know, bottom line, think of your customer. I, I think good UX not only benefits your, your customer, but also your company. Um, you know, obviously, you as as you know the person in charge of the website, whether you're offering a product or what it might be, the less support tickets you have, the more profits you have. You're benefiting, uh, your clients benefiting from a great user experience. Hopefully, you retain them. Uh, as a future client so it's not cut and dry I think there's all kinds of uh, material out there, books on Amazon, articles uh, you know, I'd suggest probably just like reading through some of those the theory, theory of UX and then just formulating in your mind how how it fits into your product or service
2: Thanks
0: so, Corey Sarah, yeah. don't talk yet because we're saving the best for last I'm going to give my parting thought real quick Um <laughs> Um, my parting thought is there's been some awesome stuff said here today I would love to take all of it and and implement all of it into my business tomorrow but if if I can give you any advice whatsoever baby steps one foot in front of the other Rome wasn't built overnight if you like some of these processes and they make sense to you start it out one by one, um, and I want to hear Sarah's parting thoughts.
3: Oh, you've set the bar a bit high there. <laughs> what if I let it run down? Um, my, my thoughts are along that train, which is like this whole ultimate user experience. I want to set up an ultimate user experience, and I want to take the time to work through what that would look like, and I want to make up some pretty little documents and blah, 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 all that. But for me, the thing I'm trying to think about at the moment is just be in contact. Like just send a really plain text, little email regularly to my clients that says, I haven't forgotten about you or um, I'm working on this thing. It's very exciting or um, it's coming. I just need an extra day. Just being in contact with people. I think that can do more than we think it can. And we feel like we need to have everything at a certain standard, but Even just keeping it right down raw. When you talk to them on the phone, be really friendly. When they are your client, don't forget about them. When they become a maintenance client, don't forget about them. And when they send you an email and ask you something, respond. Even if it's just a matter of saying, um, I'm flat out this week. I can't look at that. Can it wait till next Monday? Even just that is better than holding off three days because it feels too overwhelming and not... um, not actually going back to them instead. Um, so that would be my, my big advice in terms of um, the client user experience. And back on the UX experience, my only other piece of advice, which I personally haven't done enough of, um, but we heard nonstop at the WordCamp, was that if you want to know what the experience is like for your clients or for your end users, then get people to test it. And that can be all sorts of people. That can be you asking your friends, your family. That can be you um, even putting it out into like a, a some sort of community Facebook group and saying, hey, I just want to get your um, feedback on what your experience is like. Or maybe get a group of people, a really broad group of people and pay them. Like if you really want to know what their experience is really like using your website, this would be on bigger budgets obviously. But if you want to know, then you need actual feedback. Um, so. Yeah, that's my advice that if you really want to know then go find the feedback.
0: Don't rely on yourself. Wonderful thoughts. Absolutely great. Wonderful episode guys. This has been great. We did have a comment from one of our co-hosts I want to throw in there cuz I think it's important and we're not going we're not pulling the old card but I do understand it. Um, you know, Jerry, one of our co-hosts who's with Monterey Premier, sent us a message saying, "Final thought, have your mom go through the process. So if mom can figure it out, your customers probably are going to be able to figure out. When I think about my mom with the flip phone still, and doesn't even, you know, if she can go through your website, you're probably going to yeah. be pretty. Now, now, now my mom has a drone
1: that she successfully flies. <laughs> in fact, my grandma was the head of the uh, IT department, like one of the first heads of the IT department. Yeah. In the high school district. So I'm, I'm not in on, on that one. My, my family is just a tech savvy.
2: He's like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, then find that crazy uncle who doesn't like the web and see if they can figure it out. He's yeah, still right. anti-web. Yeah, okay. yeah, he doesn't even
1: have a computer. He's, he's got a lot of guns, though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, well, this, this has been a great, great episode, folks. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Divi Chat. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to check out our show notes, head on over to divi.chat. You can see it in my little avatar there. Uh, Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. It's how people find us if they listen to us on iTunes. Leave your questions and comments anywhere, YouTube, email, website. Tune in next week as we tackle another topic geared to help you improve your WordPress and Divi development business. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Cheers.